transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. And tonight's show is coming to you from KZMU-FM in Moab, Utah, because it's the 30th anniversary of that particular station, heard in Moab in the Castle Valley. But we are broadcasting all over the American Southwest, like always, on Friday nights from our home base, Z1077 FM and Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley, 29 Balms, and the whole Mojave High Desert. Where are you tonight? Maybe you're sitting in the kitchen. The only light coming from the radio dial and the end of a cigarette. Or maybe you're driving a two-lane through the high desert. Just you and the jackrabbits. Maybe you're in the garage with the radio on. Or maybe you're walking in the dark with headphones on. Don't listen too loud. You might never hear that mountain lion coming. Actually, you won't hear it anyway. I spend a lot of time hanging around garages at night. Usually in the big open doorway, open to the great unknown night. The radio on the workbench. The fluorescent lights flickering. The smell of motor oil and work uniforms. Auto garages and industrial shops, rehearsal spots, and those metal buildings we put up in the country. Bigger than most people's houses. Workbenches and pegboard on the walls, and all sorts of arcane tools and equipment. Some old snowshoes, maybe. Hanging up there by the drain snake and the pipe bender. A place to escape from the noisy and tiresome daytime world. There's something about stories around a fire. I was doing some campfire stories the other night. Green River on this beautiful little beach. Campfires and coolers and everything. And a nice part of that sort of show was afterwards you just mingle around and talk to people. And a lot of people have interesting stories, interesting experiences. Because I've been talking about the wilderness and murder and monsters and God and all that. People feel sort of free to be a little weird, a little bit more interesting. 
I pick up all kinds of wild stories that way. Everybody's watching the night sky for oddities. And I am enjoying the fellowship of my fellow desert lovers, wilderness lovers, escapees and oddballs. But then sometimes somebody will come up and blurt out something weird. Not weird in the story way, but just... But usually I just excuse myself, gotta see a man about a dog, that kind of thing. Fade into the night. Then I overhear somebody talking about search page autocomplete. And what happens when you type my name in there? And did that mean anything? Well, that's the unintentional danger of trying to keep your personal circumstances out of your public work. People want to know everything about everybody because it's usually just a Google search away. Whether you're a private citizen or Chris Rock or Dolly Parton or the Pope. You can find out their whole deal. Net worth, how many times they've been sued, where they live, and how much the house costs. The names of their dogs and children and personal trainers. And of course their line of branded beauty products and lingerie. Because it's all volunteered, it's all grist for the content mill. But once everybody knows way too much about you, there's hardly any point to doing any work in public at all. But then you might end up like Moab's own Edward Abbey. Who, when brought up today, if people know who he is at all, well, they launch right into, well, he's a bad, problematic person because I read on Wikipedia that he was married 28 times and he drank five beers on this one night. And he doesn't completely match my political and social positions in the year 20 and 22, half a century after his literary peak, and 30 plus years after he died. I love not having any idea about people. A big thing we used to wonder about as kids is whether that was somebody's real name, whether somebody cool was secretly gay or a junkie, you know? Because it was not revealed. You hardly knew if people were dead or alive, even as everybody played their records or read their books. singers with English accents who wound up being from Ohio. There were people you loved who you'd despise if you spent five minutes hearing them talk in person at a party. I especially appreciate not knowing anything about the interesting creative people. The less we know about somebody's personal situation, the better. 
Because everybody's personal problems are all the same. All the same and incredibly boring. I'll get about two pages into a Vanity Fair profile or whatever and sometimes I fall asleep or fall over and hit my head on the kitchen counter and that's the end. Not the way I wanted to go. Too rich or too poor, too much love or not enough, not doing what they want to do with their whole life is work and they're miserable. Can't have a baby or can't get rid of the 25-year-old kid living in the guest room. Uh, Mostly nobody wants to talk about the heart of the matter, which is... We often don't know why we're alive. It's tough. If you don't have any sense of mission or destiny... Or religious faith, or... Really any sort of sustainable lifetime philosophy... Then the small stuff is all you can think about. Because no matter where you are in life, at one time or another, you are going to have all the usual problems. Health, money, sorrow, disgust, anger, gum disease, athlete's foot, too much house or none at all. Your dog either up and died or it's neurotic and full of hate and will outlive you by decades. Everybody's out to get you. And nobody pays any attention at all. The entirety of modern technological society is rushed away and marginalized the personal practice of philosophy. So we lose the plot while we're in it. It's like one of those Disney Star Wars movies. And yet, the one person on earth pretty much everybody can agree was a wise philosopher, the Buddha made a list of five things that everybody should remember and think about on a regular basis. Five things. You can use one hand to count the five and the other to make sure you don't lose track. It is my nature to grow old. I cannot avoid old age. It is my nature to have ill health. I can't avoid ill health. It's my nature to die. I can't avoid death. I will be separated from all I love. I cannot avoid separation from the people and things I love. And finally, that's your thumb, if you count that way. My deeds are my only possessions. What I do is what I am. That's it. A video gamer could remember that. In practice... But it's not morbid either. But it's plain, it's pointed. And by the time you're old enough to need this kind of assistance, I can guarantee you it's not hypothetical. And it's relaxing, really. They didn't give you that dog you wanted down at the shelter. Your offer got rejected on the one house within 100 miles that you could conceivably afford. Well, them's the breaks. Now one day, not too long from now, it won't matter anyway. You don't need to be a Buddhist, whatever that is. It's just common sense, a helpful reminder. 
that all things must pass. And I'll need to pick one philosophy instead of living for life. You just need a philosophy to get you from place to place in life. If it turns out to be the same one all the way, if Stoicism or Catholicism or Socialism gets you through the nights that you have left, then lucky you. If cryptocurrency keeps you interested in getting up in the morning for a couple of years, that's great. Please mind your cryptocurrency responsibly. And if your childhood interest in Star Wars is still hanging on, 30s or 40s, well, if it gives you a reason to get up in the morning, may whatever it is be with you. Maybe Yoda will lead you to Zen Buddhism. Because it doesn't matter how you get there. And if you're lucky, your approach to life will provide you with some sort of community or at least some sort of effective system. And it all depends on what you're looking for. I've found that setting things up so I don't have to see people very often makes life especially tolerable. With the important bonus of making the time I do spend with people very enjoyable. In small doses. And moderation. Moderation is a good long-term strategy, even if it's an especially boring strategy in the short term. When Leonard Cohen was pushing 80 years old, somebody asked him if his approach to work had changed. I never had an approach, he said. I was always like a bear in a honey tree, just trying to get something without getting stung to death. Little moments of transcendence are generally enough to get any of us through all the dull trudging along in between. If I'm wandering around the desert or the mountains or the rivers by myself on a daily basis, I'm much more likely to come across things that delight the soul. I found a place to walk around without any other people today, earlier today, right here in Moab, and I'm not telling you where. And probably the best brain-clearing moment was as I sat under a juniper to get a little shade at midday. I heard the goofiest-sounding bird. And it flew goofily past me, and that was really the highlight. It sounded like a minion jay, but I could not see it too well with the sun in my eyes. And I found myself merrily walking down the ridge, wondering how often minion jays are seen alone. I guess there's usually a hundred of the little noisemakers. Although I occasionally see one by its lonesome. And a moment like that can erase hours of annoyance from all the rental RVs clogging up the highways. But of course, if you get off the highway, then you don't need to worry about the rental RV doing 40 in the 65 zone. With his turn signal blinking for a hundred miles. Oh, well, at least they know what turn signals are. Maybe. This is Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting tonight live from the studios of KZMU-FM in Moab, Utah, and the Castle Valley. And now it's John Gottschalk playing the guitar. Oh, we've got Sarah Mead, Engineering. 
it is spring now, officially. So if you're in the lower part of Arizona, or in Zuberego, or Big Bend, happy summer. Happy six-month-long summer. You know, Opinion uh, J knows why it's alive. It's alive to eat pinion nuts and somehow make pinion J eggs. The rest is easy. Especially with 150 other pinion J's doing your thinking for you. It's like people who move out here from the Midwest. A lot of people move out from the Midwest because winter keeps them housebound for half the year. So then they move to Mesa, Arizona, or wherever to be housebound for the other half of the year. Americans are people of extremes. And it's already missing tourist season in the Mojave High Desert. I was walking down this wash a week or so back when a deputy drove up behind me, got out, told me a woman was missing. Keep my eyes open. When I got up to the top of the hill about an hour later, I found this newish luxury SUV parked ass backwards and literally on top of a three-foot-tall Joshua tree. The tread marks on the dirt roadway were just insane. I guess you'd call it a 12-point turn. The car windows were all rolled down. I could not see any footprints around. If there were footprints, the equally large Sheriff's Department SUVs had obliterated them. Now the funny thing, I guess it's funny, that same night I saw on the local online social media network that somebody had been missing in that same spot. But this person was 30 years older than the person I was told about and different in every way as far as appearance and all that. And it was just one of those things. I guess the actual missing person has been found. And other than being a bit dehydrated and lost, she's all right. I don't even know if the other person exists. When you routinely walk for miles every day in various spots far enough away from houses and trailheads and cell service to get a little bit of peace. Something you find yourself watching out for is evidence of people who made a mistake. Maybe the mistake is a crime, is in the piles of household garbage and furnishings and illegally chopped down yucca trees people like to dump out in the desert. Or the abandoned stolen cars, sometimes bogged down in a sandy wash. And sometimes there's only a hint of evidence, often many years old. 
a shoe, a pair of pants. And then you can only sort of wonder, what happened here? One thing I rarely wonder about, though, is whether there's something dead nearby. Because my dog will come back with a piece of it, no matter how long that mule deer leg or coyote jaw has been out there half buried. Sort of makes me want to reach for my Bible. Thou shalt not dread of an arrow flying in the day of a goblin going in darkness. That's how the Wycliffe Bible translates what we now call Psalm 91, verses 5 and 6. One of the earlier translations into English from the 14th century. Goblin is a beautiful word which has come back into fashion lately as various questionable people have bragged about going into goblin mode. It's one of those words just filled with resonance, with meaning, just the very sound of it. Which makes sense being part of the spoken language, as most words are, long before anyone thought to write it down. The Middle English word comes from the Old Norman French. Goblin. With an E between the B and the L. And there's a medieval Latin version that shows up around the same time. Written down in the 12th century by a monk. To describe a certain terrible spirit haunting a town in Normandy. A town that was established by at least the 4th century and named for the Gallic tribe that called the region home back when Julius Caesar invaded. The monk was named... Oh, what was he named? Ordericus Vitalis. A historian born in England in the year of 1075, during the first decade of Norman rule. His birth name was Orderic. His first language was English. When his parents sent him off to Normandy at age 10, he spoke not a word of French. But he grew to thrive in the Abbey. And he's remembered today as the greatest historian of 11th and 12th century England and France. And also as the first person to write down the word goblin. He was also the first to write down a ghost story. In Europe, anyway. So it stands to reason that he would be the first person to write down the word goblin to describe this malicious spirit entity. Speaking of the demonic, here's something I read in this book I've had sitting around for a couple of years, but I finally picked it up a couple of weeks ago. Too much of our recent history has been soul slaughter. Imagining the past as merely primitive, muscle-bound with technology, bulldozing the sacred places, hunting the demonic animals with high-velocity rifles, dispatching the jets to shoot down the UFOs, violating the moon goddess with phallic rockets, and so on. 
having severed all connection with the gods and daemons. We reckon we are getting away with it, but we are not. The victory over the daemons is hollow. We simply make a hell of our own world. That's from Daemonic Reality by Patrick Harper. and Moab to the Castle Valley and a whole lot of desert in between. This is Desert Oracle Radio and I am your host, Ken Lane. With soundscapes composed and performed by our own Red, Blue, Black, Silver and Joshua Tree. It was a real springtime treat to come out to Utah for the Epicenter Conference in Green River. For tonight's 30th anniversary celebration of community radio station KZMU-FM. Thanks to Sarah Mead for inviting me to both and for all the good people who journeyed up to the river for our campfire stories the other night. Thanks to everybody who listens to this show out there in Slick Rock Country. That Epicenter Conference, by the way, was all about home. Making your home in these little towns surrounded by wilderness is a great way to live, especially if you put in the effort to make it work with the people who already live in the place and the animals, of course. Like the pronghorn I got to see a couple of times just this week. Some babies, too. You know, we used to have pronghorn all over the Mojave Desert. That's where the name Antelope Valley comes from. You can find us online at desertoracle.com forward slash radio or just desertoracle.com where you can also find back issues of our occasional journal and support this show however you like. We sure do appreciate it. Our Desert Oracle Volume 1 paperback is available at bookstores everywhere, especially in the American Southwest. I was going to check the book section in the Arches National Park Visitor Center, but the line to get in was too long. Oh, well. Enjoy this beautiful springtime. Enjoy the beautiful desert dandelions popping up everywhere now. And thanks for listening. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.